Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a new installment of Lunch Hour with Renault. Renault, good to be with you. A new one. I love it. Yes, it's indeed. new, and it is new. I'm so glad to be here. So excited. Today, we're excited because we're not only going to have lunch hour, but we're actually going to enjoy lunch because Gochi Sushi has opened up next door. Oh, we're going to do some how happy am sushi. I about that? Gochi Sushi was across the road from us, uh, and so, so we'd always go over there across the road. But now we don't have to cross Highway 50 anymore because they came into our little space and I love their sushi and love them and they're a great group of people and that they're across, literally walk out the door. I mean, Joel heard I was getting sushi for this and he's like, uh, I could get in and I said now? to him, listen, it's right there, walk over, get it. So he did. So we're, so we're both grateful. getting sushi. We're grateful, but, uh, but man, seriously, um, we are excited to jump into our conversation today um, because... Uh, if your missional community has already met this week, you already know this. If you're not meeting yet, uh, this may be something that you will experience. But uh, many, if not all, of our missional communities are walking through a new series together regarding worldview, which honestly is not a term we talk about very much yeah, in our church totally. culture. Um, but it is something that we all have and we all experience, and it, it actually matters a great deal. Um, and so we... Uh, last couple of weekends have promoted this Right Now Media uh, teaching series on it, and we're going to walk through it in missional communities. And for the next few weeks, we're going to walk through uh, a conversation regarding these videos uh, here on Lunch Hour with Renault. So, Renault, what were some of the reasons that we kind of decided to step into this, and why are you excited? Yeah, um, you know, at the end of the day, in, in discussions I was having with Rick Bonner and Jimmy and some of the people on our discipleship team, uh, it, it was just so obvious that living in a world, one, that gives us access to trillions of opinions, right? right. I mean, literally now, yeah. if you are on social media at all, let alone searching for anything, you have access to trillions of views. Totally. And if you want to search for things, uh, then you start searching. Search engines now are so intelligent that they know so much about you that even what you're searching for is shaping your view more than you are just researching. And the, sh the search results are fed, are to, fed you to you based on... Yeah, if you haven't seen The Social search. Dilemma, you ought to. It's very interesting. But the point is recognizing that our access gives us so much to process in a, in a way we've never had before as the human race. And then recognizing that we live in an environment right now where there are circumstances that are causing us to... to have to wonder, well, what, what do I think about this? And what do I think about that? And so you've got the political environment, the COVID environment, the uh, need for, for racial uh, reconciliation and journey forward and unity environment and other environments beyond that that are thrown at us constantly. In our dialogues, uh, we, we said, you know, um, as a follower of Jesus, how on earth, one, do I even know what to think? Yeah. Then... How on earth, if I know what to think, do I get into conversation with and dialogue with others who think other things? Hmm. In a world that has a thousand conversations and I come in with a belief and I lay it on the table and I say it in a way that causes everyone to go, Whoa. how do I actually engage in this conversation in a helpful manner? Right. So we're, we're having these conversations as a, uh, a, a discipleship team. And those were really great questions. And what we concluded, Rick Bonner really kept coming back to this idea of, well, it really starts with worldview, mm. like having a, a sense of what our worldview is. And then we started asking the question, do people even know 
that they have a worldview? Yeah. Do they even know what worldview they have? Do they even know how to get a worldview or change a worldview? Uh, do they even know how to evaluate whether their worldview is the truth or the right worldview? Because our worldview then shapes how we engage in or how we understand other information, right? And so we started thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could dialogue with the whole church about worldview, Christian worldview, how to engage with other worldviews? And Rick, I think, was the one that suggested, why don't we look on Right Now Media and see if there's some good teaching on it and get our missional communities to do it. And then I was like, well, if we're going to get our missional communities to do it, why don't we get the whole church to do it? We're in COVID time. Many people uh, are in environments where they have to be more uh, secluded and isolated. And so uh, we can still do this together, even if everyone's not either showing up or we're not in missional communities right now. So that's how the idea was born. Then Rick and his team searched and they found this incredible little series that's short, concise, uh, and, and begs a lot of questions. And what I loved about this particular series on Right Now Media, uh, Worldview Changes Everything, is that it isn't one that has so much information that we had to weed through and see if we agree with everything. It just gives you the basics, which affords us then, as a church, the opportunity to fill in lots of blanks. Uh, hence the Facebook uh, live space right here is saying, this just gave us a taste but let's, let's expand conversation now. So I am honestly very excited that we would go into a, a election, post-election. So I'm not even so concerned. Let's get through this so you know how to vote. Uh, no. Too late for that. Um, but more, once we have voted and once an election happens, how, whatever the outcome is, there's going to be a thousand ongoing discussions. Yeah. How are we going to enter those spaces in a helpful manner with a right thinking, a yeah. biblical worldview. So we start with this. What on earth is a worldview and do I have one? So that's why we're excited. So just a couple of things. If you are a part of a missional community, again, most if not all missional communities are going to be walking through uh, this teaching series together. Uh, there are I'm going to help Joel for a second because I made this mistake for 30 minutes last time, but that's actually the camera we're looking at. But you're welcome to look at that one if oh, you'd perfect. like. Yeah. So, so everyone's going to watch the side of your face and wonder why you're staring into the distance. Very cool. I think lesson, lesson learned from my previous things. Or maybe if I'm wrong back there. Yeah, I think there's that, three cameras going. Yeah, there's three cameras. If it's a green light, that's what's live. Uh, okay, I take guys, I, red light. I, I take oh, it all red. back. Oh, it's a yeah. red light is live. Yeah, so. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we definitely do. Why are there so, three? Oh, there we go. I'm so hey, guys. Hey, everybody. Okay, so. Uh, obviously, we didn't go to, like, journalism school yeah. uh, and learn how to be TV. Even in my trying to help you, I feel like I'm hurting. When, when, when helping when hurts. Helping Here we hurts, are, baby. Right when, when helping. Really okay. <laughs> so, uh, good times, you know, good times. And this is why I love working with you. Uh, so. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, if you have not gotten a chance to watch, uh, there we are. If you have not gotten a chance, uh, the people on the, who are listening to this on the podcast are like, what are these two doofuses? <laughs> Everyone who's watching live is like, these two are doofuses. Yes, yeah. which you may as well figure out now. Oh, Why, wait? That, Why wait? Why wait? Add that to your worldview. So, uh, but anyway, so, um, you know, if, if you're in a missional community or going through this, that's great. If you're not... Uh, you do have access to Right Now Media. Everybody at Mosaic Church has access. You can go on our website and you can get access to that. Um, and watch these videos. They're very short. They're a couple of minutes apiece. Uh, a guy named John Stone Street, who runs uh, a ministry that is dedicated to worldview uh, and specifically Christian worldview, 
uh, does these teaching videos. They're very good. They're very short. And it's really meant to be a springboard for conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So go watch those today. And, and we're going to have uh, that conversation. It really begins uh, by asking, okay, what is a worldview? Um, and the way that John Stone Street uh, defines uh, worldview is that worldview is something that everyone has, and it really is the best way to understand it is like they are, uh, the worldview is our belief glasses. Worldview is not our beliefs that we look at. Worldview is our beliefs that we look through. through. And, and, and we see the world through our worldview. And so I think that's a really great uh, definition. So mm-hmm. um, why, don't, why don't we unpack that maybe just a little bit further? Yeah, yeah you know, this idea uh, of the worldview uh, being the belief system we look at the rest of the world, at and the, the, the filter through which we filter our observations, uh, really is a profound clarity about the difference between my worldview and the things I believe mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. What do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? My worldview is also often, therefore, something that if I'm not conscious of and I have not explored, that it just shapes me without me knowing. Right. So, so that's a very that, that that should cause you and I to go. Ho- hold on, I have this thing that is affecting the way I see the world mm-hmm. and the way I experience the world. Mm-hmm. I ought to know what this thing is. Yeah. It's like having a set of glasses on that are red, mm-hmm. and you're looking around and you're defining things as a particular color. Oh, that's green. You know what green is. You know what blue is. But when you call a a, a green thing green, it's actually blue. So I say, that's blue. And you go, no, it's green because what you are seeing is legitimately green. But the reason you're seeing green is because the glasses that you have on are red. Mm. So they're changing blue to green. Right. So you're not changing the world around you. You're changing the way you see the, the way world you see the world based on your set of fundamental beliefs. Yes. Stone Street says uh, that that uh, <clears throat> worldview is a basic set of fundamental beliefs that shapes our view Uh, of both the world, uh, and it also shapes our view for the world. For the world, that's right. So what what I think becomes really important is to understand that we all have a worldview. Right. It was shaped in numerous ways. You're not born with a worldview. Right. You don't come out of the womb and you have a worldview. Right. Your worldview is developed and shaped through... Uh, the uh, external circumstances and experiences you have, Mm. the teaching you get, the people that are around you, and then your own as you grow, your own uh, forming of beliefs. That's really profound. I have a thought on this. Okay, oh no, no, really profound, here we go. No, no, but so, no, that was profound. I have a thought. Oh, I take it back, that was very profound. Uh, I should do a video. You tell, (laughs) so tell, keep going on that train of thought unless I can jump in. So, if, if our worldview is, is um, coming out of the womb is not necessarily any specific way, but it begins to be shaped by the environment around us, uh, would it be fair to say that whatever our worldview is, the, the glasses that we're looking through are shaped by the world around us by default, which would mean then that our, our, whether the color is red or green or yellow or totally. purple, that the worldview glasses in this illustration are colored yep. in some way yep. that makes us see the world in a way that is not exactly accurate. Yep. And then the goal is to allow God, who is the yep. creator of the world, yep. to 
shape our worldview. Our glasses. Our glasses, so that those glasses then become clear. Yep. And we're able to see the world as it truly as is. As it truly is. And the only way our glasses can become clear is if somebody that has absolute truth, a perfect view of the world, mm. can inform us. Mm. And we begin to take what our glasses are and evaluate our glasses based on this outside perfect truth, right? Mm. And make the decision. Instead of saying, I'm gonna let my glasses tell me if what that person is telling me is true, instead I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, that person is truth, mm. so he's gonna tell me what's wrong with my glasses. Mm. And so this is a profound reality because I think in uh, his first video, he says this as well, is he says that when it comes to a Christian worldview, oftentimes we add our discovery of the gospel, our discovery of Jesus, our discovery of the, the, the Bible to our already belief system. Right. Shaped by what we believe because of our experience. So we almost of, filter the gospel through our yep. worldview. And that's always our first because we start with the worldview encountering the gospel. So now the gospel even in itself mm -hmm. uh, is filtered somewhat. But our journey into mm. the truths of God is one that we explore making the initial assumption that God is truth. Now that's a change in my worldview, right? So, so I had a worldview, then I had to shift to say, I've now discovered God saying to me, he is truth and his word is true. So now I've got to let that truth shape my worldview then. But, but that was my initial worldview change. Now, before I go down that path, yeah. getting back to just an example. Here's an example of how life experience affects a belief system, a core belief system that becomes a worldview, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. If as a child, I am in a home and my experience in my early years, the first few years of life are experiences of comfort, of safety, of love. I, my parents, caregivers, their attitude toward me are those things. I'm not talking about with perfection, and, but I'm saying generally, that is my experience, right? Then for much of my life, everything I experience in life, I'm measuring through this assumption that I'm loved, I'm safe, mm. and uh, the, the world is a safe place. Mm. It, it may not be, mm. but I believe that. Wow. Like that's how I function. I come from a very, very, very good home early yeah. on. And I, to this day, like even dangerous places, my brain wants to tell me, yeah, it's okay, it's safe. Like I feel safe and I feel loved. When you tell me, Renaud, you're terrible. I hate you. My brain says. I don't tell him that often. Yeah, but yeah. on occasion. I, my brain says, oh, I'm so sad you don't know me well. Like it's, it's like there's an intrinsic belief system that I'm loved. And if you don't love me, the problem isn't me, the problem is you, right? <laughs> right now, that's also partly personality, yeah, but, yeah, for sure. but it is very much shaped because if I had come from an abusive home, mm -hmm. if I had been verbally or emotionally mm -hmm. or physically mm -hmm. abused as a child, no matter my personality, I would not have that belief system. Yeah, and the world would not be- a, on a, uh, Not as your default. Not right? as my default. Yeah. And so I would believe that the world is not a safe place and I am not loved. Mm. So imagine how different I will experience every relationship and every circumstance if my glasses are, you are safe, you are loved, or my glasses are, you are not safe, you are not loved. Mm. But no, I didn't gain that worldview because I decided which one to pick. That just came because of experience. That's what I'm talking about when I'm doing that. Now, here's another worldview. When you're hungry, you ought to eat. Right. And our food is here. Yeah, oh. yeah. In my, in my view Come, of the world, Amanda, I see. you are so awesome. Amanda, thank you. I will discover that in just a second. We'll discover that with our worldview. Yeah, Thanks, so, Amanda, you're awesome. So while, uh, while Renault is working on figuring out what our food is, mm -hmm. um, that's mine. You know, I, I think one of the things that Stone Street says that is so valuable and so important is that worldview, it, it's not meant to be added to our beliefs, 
um, it's meant to act, like legitimately reshape uh, our beliefs. So I know you're saying for, something important, but I need my chopsticks. For chopsticks. I am. So Sorry about that, my bad. So I think yes. as as Christians, a lot of times what we do is we grow up in a certain culture. We grow up with certain parents. We grew up with certain experience. Thank you. And Christianity comes along, and we start to add all of that to our experience, our, yep. our worldview. Yep. And so what ends up happening is almost, and it's a syncretism, which is a big word for saying blending beliefs. Um, and so we have some beliefs that are very perhaps American, yep. some beliefs that are very perhaps Western, yep. some beliefs that are very perhaps embedded in our ethnicity, some beliefs that are very perhaps embedded in our gender experience. Um, you know, all of those things, uh, because like you said, you know, we come out of the womb and immediately the, the, the world around us begins to shape our worldview. And then we discover Jesus and the temptation is to say, oh, I'm going to add Jesus to my worldview and he's going to be kind of this thing that I consult over here on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but Christianity, the goal of that is to completely have our worldview replaced yep. by the worldview of Jesus. By a biblical worldview. Yeah. And, and so, so what, what begins to happen then with that is that if, if we unconsciously or consciously, yeah, thanks, that's great. If we consciously or unconsciously let our worldview determine the way we see the Bible, the way we see Jesus, the way we experience God, then we will always have him and his truth submitted to what we feel is true and know is true. Mm -hmm. And so our conclusions about the world, let's assume for a second, as we ought to, because it's true, that God has absolute truth, right? He actually knows what the world looks like. He knows whether that thing is blue or green, regardless of my glasses right. and what they're telling me. He knows. Right. If, I, if I say my discovery of God and his word, his revelation and, and the gospel has utterly shown me that he knows truth, mm-hmm. then what I have to do is even if I'm staring at something and it looks green to me and he says to me it's blue, instead of me saying God would never say that's blue because it's green and I see it as green, so it must be green. So he can't possibly mean it's blue. I have to say this. Gosh, even though I'm looking at that and that looks absolutely green to me, if he says it's blue, then there's something wrong with my glasses, yeah, so with if, my worldview. So if God says the dress is golden black, then the dress is golden black. Do you remember that thing that I went around? I do remember it. Why, Joel? It was, Why? It was so interesting when that thing yeah. went around um, on the internet. If you've never had the... Uh, I, I shouldn't say privilege. If you've never had the torment of seeing this image on the internet, uh, there was a dress, a photo of a dress that was being passed all around the internet, and uh, people would weigh in on what colors they saw yep. when they saw the dress. And uh, I don't really know how it all worked, but based, uh, I, I, I believe it was mostly mm-hmm. gender based. That most men saw one thing, most women saw another, but it's yep. probably not. And interestingly enough, you know, 100%, but based on what you saw, you either saw a black yeah. and gold or a blue and I don't know, I don't whatever, really remember. you know, dress it is, is interesting crazy. because what people will often bring to the table when we're having these discussions is, well, hold on, hold on. We all have different viewpoints and experiences and opinions. We see things differently in life. The way mm-hmm. I see life and you see life, we see it differently. So it's perspective. Mm-hmm. Perspective is truth. And, and I would say this, there are lots of things in life that are open to perspective, sure. right? Even the shades of a particular color. Mm-hmm. 
But when God speaks truth, then we need to decide, am I going to let his truth become my worldview and then the glasses through which I look at everything? Mm. Or am I going to let my worldview dictate what his truth is? Those are our options on the table. We pick one. What I want to make sure we do is that we pick one intentionally. The reason we're doing this whole worldview thing is not because, um, because I know everybody knows what their worldview is and I want to change it. It's that most of us don't know we have a worldview that is shaping the way we are di dictating what God's truth is. Mm. And we don't even know often that we're experiencing these things and we know them and believe them to be true because they feel so true. They s seem so true, mm. but they are actually shaped by the color of my glasses. So right. what um, uh, John, right? John yes, John, thanks. Yeah. Uh, what John says, uh, another thing that he says in his video that I, that I think is, um, is, is very helpful and, and profound in this idea of worldview is that when, when we are looking at the world through the set of glasses, uh, we have this responsibility, this opportunity now to go and examine our worldview and ask ourselves, is it a biblical worldview? And then say, well, let's start with the question of what is a biblical worldview? And what he says in his video is, think about how differently you would look at the world if you believed that a creator created humanity in his image, that that creation uh, was an image bearer of God, unique, um, and that God had a plan and a purpose for that image bearer. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a worldview. It's a big shape. Or this one. A big shaper. I am the product of time and chance. Mm. I, am a, I am an animal uh, with a conscience. And my purpose is nothing more than the sequence of a generation of, of an ever evolving, ever evolving movement of the universe. Mm -hmm. Those are two worldviews, right. depending on which one you hold, will utterly shape the way you think of yourself and humanity. But if you don't know which one of those worldviews you hold, then you won't even know whether you're thinking rightly or wrongly about something. So what, what we're trying to do in this series is to say, why don't we talk about what a worldview is, talk about what a biblical worldview is, and then have us all examine and ask ourselves, do I have a biblical worldview? Did I even know I had a worldview? It, I do. So what is it? What is the color of my glasses? And then when we determine, and I think we, we should be honest and humble and, and to say, there's probably something about the world that we're living in today uh, that um, I don't see properly, that my worldview has yet to be conformed to God's. There's still that tint of color. Um, and so I need to continually ask God to help my worldview shift to become more, more like his worldview. And I think that's what Paul is getting at when he talks in Romans 12, too, about renewing our mind. He says mm -hmm. this. He says, do not be conformed to this world. So the world has a way. The and I world, love the way he says, do not be conformed any longer right, to this right. world. He even says, yeah. you have been. It's okay. We all are. Right. Do not be conformed any longer. Right. To this world. But instead be transformed. H how? How do we be transformed? By the renewing of our mind. And so, uh, you know, and so that you may know by testing and discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so I think this is just such a perfect 
um, framework for us to recognize that, okay, number one, we see the world a certain way. Number two, apart from Christ and his word and the work of the Holy Spirit in us, there is something wrong with the way that we see the world and it needs to be changed. It needs to go, uh, it needs to be conformed to the way that God sees the world and what God believes about this world. And, and so everything that we do in, in terms of this series is about asking the question, where does my worldview not actually line up with God's worldview? Mm-hmm. And then how do I change that? How, and, and the answer is by renewing our minds. That's right. But we have to kind of take even a, another step back and say, I mean, what is worldview and how that's is right. that affecting me before and we so, can move forward? That's right. And so I think for us, since developing a biblical worldview is actually embedding oneself in the journey of exploring God's truth, which mm-hmm. is found in his word by his spirit, right? Right. So if I have come to know uh, Christ through the, the, the clarity of the gospel and I've received the Holy Spirit because I've come to know Christ because that's all t- the, what the Bible teaches. I, if I know Jesus, I have the spirit. Now the spirit gives me capacity to see what I could not see before. Mm-hmm. So I can study his word and the, sp- <laughs> and the spirit gives me this beautiful space to learn. As I learn now and as I grow, um, I, I see what God sees. Mm. I know what God knows. And if I made the assumption because I discovered the gospel and my initial assumption was, oh, you're God, you're creator, you're a sustainer, you are all knowing, you are, oh, oh, I learned that. Okay. Well, if he's all those things, then the only glasses through which the world is actually what it is, Mm. is his glasses. Mm. So what I want to now do is I want to go look through his glasses and what God has given us in his word is his glasses. So when we start talking about you should, you should read the Bible often, you should study the Bible often, and we're like, ah, it's such a chore, it's a big book, it's like a textbook, and there's a class, and I've got to study this so I can pass the test. That's how we usually experience the Bible. But what we actually <coughs> discover is there's a set of glasses that lets you world, see the world as it actually is so that you can both experience the world and engage with the world in actual truth. And those right. glasses were handed to us by his word, and we can see them rightly by his spirit. Now, Mm. in exploring those, why then do we have so many different opinions about what even his word means? Because we even enter the study of his word with our own glasses on. But it is this, I'm going to dig and I'm going to dig until I see rightly. And that's the journey of sanctification. Sanctification and the renewing of mind. But it has to start with this first assumption of a change in worldview. He is more right than me. Yeah. So I would argue that in encountering the gospel and discovering that he rescued me, my soul was dead, my future was um, dead, my purpose was dead, and I was running through life trying to build a kingdom with, uh, that is made up of sand that will slide through my fingers. Mm. So I discover that in the gospel, right? That's what the gospel reveals to me. Oh, you were dead, but I'm right. going to make you alive. Yep. Your future was dead, but I'm going to make it alive. Your purpose was dead, but I'm going to make it alive. Now I sit here and I go, wow, who is this God that just did this for me? Well, he is truth. Mm. So I think the first shaping of my worldview is to say, do I believe that God is truth? And do I believe that his word is true? And do I believe that the spirit of God and the study of his word will help me over time discover that truth? And when I do, if I believe those things, that truth will add to my worldview, not to my belief system. 
my worldview is a and part of my... And it'll legitimately shape your right. worldview. The worldview is a part of my belief system, but it's the foundational part right. through which my other things are measured. So now I can yeah. go into a political environment. Now I can go into a <laughs> cultural environment. Now I can go to into a personal environment. And I can say things like, though I grew up in an abusive home, so I am clear that I'm not loved. God has told me that I am loved. So now I'm beginning to shape how I feel about being loved by this new assumption of my worldview. It takes time. My emotions have to catch up. My 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 cognitive realities have to catch up. And that takes time and therapy and community your and all sorts of things. But things. it starts with a, I've encountered a new truth yeah. that is from a person that is truth. Mm. So I must let this new truth begin to erode at my truth, which is my worldview, and change it. This so, is the journey of, of exploration. Absolutely. So when we think about, okay, what is Christian worldview, right? From a very big picture standpoint, John mentions creation as, as a major shaping factor. Um, but as a, you know, in a big picture, we talk about the gospel a lot of times uh, in this story arc, um, and, and I think from a big picture standpoint, it is the, the shaping foundation of our worldview is the story of the gospel, mm-hmm. the picture of the mm-hmm. gospel. That's why, you know, God didn't give us a, a theology manual. He gave mm-hmm. us a story That's right. That's uh, right. That's through right. his word. And, uh, and in that story, there's four points and, and it begins with creation. So yes. it's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. That's right. Um, and, and it begins with creation. And, you know, I think it's very interesting in our culture today that as a Christian, we have to defend uh, creation as a part of our worldview, um, and yet the whole world that we live in believes in the Big Bang and evolution, and we find ourselves super at odds with the world because it is as at a foundational level uh, vital for our faith to believe that God is creator, that we are creation, um, because it sets the precedence for everything else. Now, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, I, I think that we make the mistake many times of arguing some of the nuances of how creation works. Uh, I don't I, I, I don't think we need to get into that right this second, but I want to kind of talk through that just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Why is creation so vitally important yep. to believe in? Is it can you be a a Bible believing Christian? and believe that God is not the cause and creator of the universe? Right. And if not, why not? Right. So those are great questions. And I think um, I, I, would, I would start here um, before we even touch creation just to affirm, again, um, just how, how clear the starting point of worldview is. It, it is founded in the gospel, right? So when we encounter the gospel, that's why I think the Bible in the New Testament speaks so often to the idea of, I don't believe God and who he is, then I encounter the gospel. They cannot believe if they do not hear, you know. All, so right. my, my first encounter is always as a, as, a, as a person that is dead and doesn't know God spiritually. Mm-hmm. I encounter the gospel and that reveals to me this new worldview, right? right? So you're exactly right to say our worldview begins to shape the instant we encounter and believe the gospel. So then the question is, at its essence, what is the gospel? And the gospel itself, the narrative of the gospel is in itself this storyline that describes who we were created to be, what we became, how he redeemed us, Mm -hmm. and what he is restoring us to. Mm. So even when I say that like that, 
you start realizing, wow, like that now needs to reshape the entirety of how we understand human life, mm -hmm. how we understand my individual story, how we understand how safe I am in this story in life, his sovereignty over my life. All those other layers come only if we start with this one. I was made. Yep. I didn't just appear. Mm -hmm. The consequence of my making had purpose, mm. not just, it was not just the consequence of something. Mm -hmm. That purpose may have been lost, but the one who created me restored, redeemed that purpose to me by first redeeming me and then restoring to me a future. Mm. So there is no clarity on the idea that I need redeeming if there is no fall and there is no fall if there is no purpose in creation. Right. So if all I am is the consequence of things, then the idea of a fall makes no sense. I didn't lose anything because I was nothing. Mm. Then if the fall doesn't exist, then redemption makes no sense. Right. So actually the irony is that without a clear understanding of the fact that we are created and we are created by God, a being, a a, a, a person, right, as, as we define it in our language, then the entirety of the gospel makes no sense. So having said that then, we must begin with this premise as we understand the gospel, that we were created with intent by God as a human race. Now, uh, how that human race plays out into the individual stories God has for each of us, we can talk lots about this, but, sure. let, but we're starting big picture here. The human race was not a consequence of a process of consequence after consequence that ended up with us. We are not an intelligent animal. Right. And the Bible describes this because it is the foundation for everything else we'll know of the gospel. Now, right. in that created reality, um, here's where it gets tricky. There are different realities that we observe on our planet in terms of its history right. and its created order. So we have different opinions. Young Earth, Old Earth. Right. Uh, the process of how far adaption does go. Is mm -hmm. it evolutionary? Mm -hmm. Is it within a, a, an adaption process? Yep. We, 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 have, we have differing opinions on that. So mm -hmm. some would begin to say, if you don't hold to a Young Earth viewpoint, you don't understand God and you can't, you can't be a Christian. Which is untrue. Which is untrue. Mm -hmm. Some would say that um, if you hold to a young earth uh, view, you are scientifically naive and you're just, you're just a person that is, has blind faith, to which I would say that is untrue. Mm -hmm. There's much science on both sides. There's much to dig in and it's worthy of an exploration. But yeah. here's what I would say. In either of those viewpoints, a young earth viewpoint or a older earth viewpoint, a process by which the earth has developed, where we say the seven days of creation is, a, is a, a statement of not time as we think about it, but seasons or sure. whatever. Great. But here's what we cannot do. And, and this is where, why we say create. Do you believe that the human race was created uniquely? If Adam and Eve, as we know it in the Bible, were not created as thinking humans in their initial creation, that our human race began with an Adam and an Eve, right? Not a ape that turned into a, et cetera. Right. So the evolutionary process that says we, the humans, are the consequence of a sequence of events that we once were not human and then we slowly became human, that would suggest, because evolution in of itself is a process of dying and adapting, dying and adapting, that prior to the fall where death infected the planet, 
all this was in play. So now you start getting into very, very tricky business yeah. in the Bible. So yeah. here's what I'm getting at. I would argue that regardless of your view of young earth or old earth, which you can hold either, the view of whether the human race was uniquely created for the purposes we know the human race to be or not, if you believe we are not a created, uniquely created race, but we are the consequence of a journey, then at that point, I would say the narrative of the fall, the narrative of redemption and, and uh, uh, restoration starts gaining a tremendous amount of trouble and flaws. Yeah, and where the, where the, <clears throat> the breakdown occurs is in the doctrine of the Imago Dei, That's right. which is That's that right. we were made in the image of God, which speaks to the value and the worth that we possess as human beings that is different than, not that God doesn't value animals, because he does, um, but that it is unique to uh, the human race, uh, that we were made in the image of God being uh, created good, and yet with uh, the ability to make moral decisions, um, the, the, this doctrine uh, is massively important to our understanding of how the, the gospel plays itself out in that God placed us in an environment where we could flourish, yet we stepped into the temptation to disobey him, and that is what brought the fall. That's right. And so that is why creation is a linchpin of the gospel, not because... Uh, you know, we we want to be people who, do, you know, uh, disregard science or any of those types of things. But because it is an, an essential element of our understanding of how how the world is the way it is today. And and it also places us in a position of, of recognizing and understanding that God is who he is, which is creator and that we are who we are, which is creation. Yes. And those are very, very and valuable understanding. I think the, the reason this becomes the foundation of a biblical worldview is the idea of the gospel, which has its roots in creation, right? Is that uh, it also helps us understand other realities than that, that become part of our worldview. Here is an example. The human race, which I am part of, so we're talking big picture now, not my story, but our story collectively. Yep. The human race was created good. Yep, it's created good. Perfect, actually, mm -hmm. is the mm -hmm. word. And in this very space good. of creation, very good, mm -hmm. uh, it was, the human race was created in perfect intimacy with God, mm -hmm. perfect relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So we had everything we needed to know that God was good and that uh, being in relationship with God was freedom. Mm -hmm. We made a decision through Adam and Eve to choose our own divinity and our own destiny by eating of a fruit that God said, do not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil uh, because you will die, that he knew that would be an act of voluntary disobedience which would bring about the virus sin which would bring about death. The enemy told us he's trying to keep you from knowing your own stuff so you can be your own God essentially. Be like him, then you don't need him. So we bought into that. What the Bible describes then is a fall from that perfection, a fall from that goodness, and that the virus sin enters our system, infects us, and so we have a nature now. The word in Scripture is nature. We have a sin nature. Now, wh why does this all become so important in this creation fall reality that, we, that, that is part of what must become part of our worldview? Because if we understand that, then we also understand that a human being in their nature is not in their nature good. Mm. They are in their nature 
have a propensity toward and left to themselves will eventuate in evil. So we take observation and say, look at this little baby. It's born and it's in a good home. And look, by the time it's five, it's doing such good things. And then that person loves people and serves the poor when they're 12 or 15 or 27, but they don't know Jesus. So you see humans are intrinsically good and they become evil because of the circumstances around them. What, what we begin to understand when we have a right biblical view is that given the right set of circumstances, certainly the process of a worldview that shapes the way you think does cause you to have an outward expression of kindness and goodness. So we say, look, the human being is intrinsically good. But that's because we are looking through a set of glasses that are not shaped by a knowledge that we don't have. We were not at creation. We were not at the fall. We do not know that. That's only known to us because God shows it to us. But when we know it, we can know, I in of myself cannot sustain goodness throughout my lifetime. I can do good things throughout my lifetime, but I cannot sustain goodness, especially from an eternal perspective, without an intervention from the outside because I am infected with something that is not good, mm. that is bringing about death. I don't know any of that outside of my glasses starting to come off and God's glasses starting to come on. So yeah. creation and fall are critical to my understanding of humanity in two ways. Watch mm. this. I value humanity because I am the imago Deo. I am the image bearer of God. So my value of humanity is different. But I understand humanity to be, to be in need of redemption because it's evil. So isn't it funny how understanding both allows us to value humanity but not to misunderstand and make humanity what it's not, good without need of redemption. Mm, yeah, that's And imagine good. if that worldview was different, mm. then our entire understanding of the gospel would be unnecessary. And then our entire understanding of how we deal with humans would be unnecessary or how we see ourselves. Right. So these are critical foundational pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Creation is. You know, and we do, like you said, we do only understand these things because the word of God has been given to us, which becomes now, you know, the way that we, we uh, experience worldview. No. So real Watch quick, how... real quick. Mm. So Leslie Aziz, she's been, hi Leslie, by the way, it's, it's uh, man, thanks for being with us today. So uh, she's been just posting some good scripture, um, you know, as we've been talking. Uh, she just talk, talked about, you know, First John, if we say that we've never sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word uh, is not in us, right? So, you know, our, our cultural worldview often paints a picture that we are inherently good and the problem with because because really worldview is always answering the question what is the nature of the world that we live in and what has gone wrong with it because anyone with you know uh any degree of honesty would look at the world and say here we are and something is wrong right yes so the the basic questions of worldview are how did we get here and what is wrong? That's right. And then there's a third question, and I think this is where the gospel uh, has the only true answer is, uh, and really for all of these, but now how do we fix it? That's right. So how do we get here? What is wrong? And how do we fix it? That's right. That, those are the basic questions that worldview is trying to answer, yep. and it is only the gospel and only a Christian yep. worldview. And this is not to be triumphalistic no. to say, we are better than, no. you know, Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims or right. atheists or fill in the blank. It's not to say that we're better. 
In fact, Christians ought to recognize that we are in and of ourselves wretched, poor, blind, and naked. And the only, thing that we, Jesus, yeah. the only thing that we have to boast in, as Paul said, is Christ yeah. and the gospel. But, but those are the questions yeah. that we'll be asking. And isn't it amazing asking. then that um, as we then study the word, so, you know, we encounter the gospel, creation changes our worldview. We ask ourselves, well, if that's the only way I know that creation, how do I even know that that's true? Then we study the Bible and we study the authenticity right. of the Bible. Then that worldview changes. Oh, God is truth and the Bible is true. Okay. Then we study the Bible further and we start discovering that scripture not only shapes the foundational parts of our worldview, like creation, fall, mm -hmm. uh, redemption and restoration, but it also shapes then how God intended us to care for the world. So it's always funny to me if we look at our world today and we say the environment is suffering because we overdo X, Y, and Z, we are treating the world badly mm -hmm. and we are causing damage. Mm -hmm. We are eliminating entire animal groups because we are over hunting, fishing, whatever, all those Deforestation. Things. Deforestation. Yeah. Uh, and that <laughs> affects the whole rhythm and system of the planet. So then scientists come in and they say the problem is that we are mistreating the world and we need to solve that by treating the world properly so that humanity has longevity. Right. So then we say, well, that, that is not the problem. The problem is the virus of sin because we have that. But what else does the Bible say? I've given you this creation. We're supposed to Please take care it. of it. Steward yeah. it properly. Don't overuse it. Don't take what's not yours. Right. Be content with what you have. That is the opposite of a humanity, right? right? So isn't it ironic that the scripture itself, when we apply all the truths we learn mm -hmm. from it, how to deal with government, how to deal with each other, how to deal in <coughs> marriage or friendship or life or parenting, how to deal with the environment, yep. if you actually study it and actually believe it, we will actually take care of many of these things beyond any human's wildest imagination. Mm -hmm. And we should be the people that because of our initial worldview that God is true, that creation is real, that we are the Imago Deo, that we did fall and we are intrinsically evil, but through redemption become good again. And then in that redemption, study his word and apply it by the power of the spirit, we would be the world changers. Right. And I think what, what is the tragedy is that instead of allowing that biblical worldview to shape the way we think, yep. we allow our political proclivities to yep. shape the way we think. Our so what we end up doing is our external realities and this is on our views of justice. And this is on both sides of the aisle, yeah, right? So for for an example, understanding the Imago Day should impact the way we think about human life and the value of human life. So we should value human life, that human life matters and it's important, right? So that's on on the yeah. one hand that the that the biblical worldview shapes and tells us that human life is a valuable is a valuable thing from the womb to the tomb right yeah. um, and there are political ideologies that differ with yeah. that right yeah. and so we should reject those ideologies yeah. on the other side of the coin and on the other side of the aisle you have a perspective that says we need to care about our environment and the things that we're doing on this earth are doing damage the, the human race is doing damage to the environment and unfortunately, many Christians, because of our political perspective, we reject that concept altogether and we say the humans are given dominion over the earth and we should be able to do what we want. Now, is it true that on both sides of the aisle, people have different uh, ideas on how the earth should be stewarded? Yes. yes. And I'm not trying to get into that. What I am trying to say is should not our Bible shape the way we think about the world, whether it's the value of human life or the value of the earth that God has given us, 
rather than a political agenda. Yeah. And, and, and the point of all of this is obviously, even when we have a right worldview, we have a thousand circumstances that aren't obvious and easy totally. in applying that. No which doubt. Over the next few weeks, we're no going doubt. to talk a ton about. Right. Because the point of this series isn't just understanding what a worldview is in creation and fall. Right. It is actually how do we first establish that we have one? How do we know what it is? How do we shape it so that it's the right one? Yeah. And then the big question becomes, now that we have a worldview that is being shaped into a biblical worldview, what do we do with that? And how yeah. do we engage with yeah. Political realities, sure. social realities, cultural realities, personal humans, other religious belief systems. How do we engage with these? Because the tendency would be in arrogance, right? We have the right worldview. Mm -hmm. You have the wrong worldview. Because we do have a worldview now that we understand to be the right one, right? But the question becomes is, and how do I help my worldview measure then in complex scenarios when you've got, for example, in politics, two party lines, mm -hmm. and there are issues that match my worldview on this side right. and issues that defy my worldview and issues that match my worldview on this side and issues that defy my worldview. And if we are being honest. Pick one. Yeah. It's very Both complicated, sides. right? Right. Yep. And so then we begin to argue about which of those things are the most important. Most important. Then sure. we begin to argue that actually those important things exist on both sides. So whether it's sanctity of life or whether it's environmental issues, they exist on both sides. They right. differ on both sides. Right. So we are not minimizing the complexities into right. which we will walk. 100%. But I can say this with absolute certainty. If your worldview is not intact as a biblical worldview, then walking into those complexities, you are bound to have your decisions measured by a set of glasses that are not seen rightly as am I. And so what I want to be able to do is say, before I even walk into the complexities of how even a right worldview will be tested by these complexities. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that there's even a right decision that is completely right in so many circumstances. It is extremely important that before I walk into those complexities, I at least know that I have a worldview and I at least have a sense of what it is. I don't have to know every detail, but I should know I have one. And is it biblical or is it not in general? And then even in specific, how much more is it biblical as I progress? Then when I walk into conversations with people about life, marriage, relationships, parenting, politics, environment, sanctity of life, you name it, pick, right. pick something. I come in foundationally knowing I have a worldview that is going to shape the way I hear and speak in. And that worldview is more correct than incorrect mm. versus I don't know I had a worldview. I'm looking through green glasses. So I'm hearing everything. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for us. And to recognize that, you know, every day that we live on this planet is trying to speak to our worldview. Yes. And there are things that will shape our worldview that are, and we, we in the Christian world, talk about this in terms of discipleship, yes. right? Um, we are discipled every single day by the world around us. Um, so everything we listen to, you know, whether it's uh, uh, what, you know, what, what news channels or TVs, that, you know, the, the uh, TV information we're bringing in, what, what articles we're reading, what conversations we're having, all of those things speak into and, and influence our worldview. And then we have the word of God that's begging us to pick it up, open yep. it up, you know, study it, study it, through it and embrace in the truth with each other and, and, and learn from one another. Like, how yep. do you apply yep. this to your yep. life? Yep. All of those things. And the fact is that it's so much 
easier in today's world to let the news channels, the Facebook feeds, the, the news articles that pop up magically on our phone that yep. uh, self-perpetuate a belief yep. system as we click more yep. and more because the yep. AI behind them is yep. extremely brilliant. Yep. Which, by the way, Renault mentioned the social dilemma from Netflix uh, earlier. It is actually a very well, very done, well done, very well done documentary. It's not like one of those um, like uh, it's really well done. Very well done. Uh, but even that, we have to be always on guard to to whatever it is that we're processing because it shapes the way we think. It shapes the way we think about life. Yeah. Um, and so we have to just be really, really careful to say, okay, God, you know, all this noise around me on on uh, you know around every corner, um, but God, what are you saying? And how how can I renew? my mind That's right. uh, to what your and, word says. And I would start here for this week, right? Maybe this week will be a good week for me and for you to divorce ourselves from the noise of the immediacy mm. of opinions, circumstances, and things, which we get caught up in minute by minute. Totally. And take this week and step back from that and say, what are some of the core things that I know I believe? Let me go and examine them again. What do I believe about justice? What do I believe about life? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about his word? What do I believe about his um, story for me and for the human race? What do I believe about what he, uh, his sovereignty over circumstances? Because we're losing jobs. We're struggling with the realities of pandemics around affecting us. We... We have all sorts of relational dynamics now that are weird and off because we're not sure who we're going to take off or who we're not. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we're so caught up in all that stuff because they're the immediacy that perhaps we are not stepping back from that and letting the truths that we know to be true of God dictate how we respond and think about these things versus letting them dictate how we should feel and respond. Mm -hmm. So maybe we just start there. Maybe you take some time this week saying, what? what let me remind myself of what I actually believe to be true about who God is, mm. what I actually believe to be true about who I am, mm. what I actually believe to be a true about God's story for me, both mm. past and future, mm. what I believe about who God says uh, we are to one another, mm. and what I believe God calls me to mm. in my everyday life, in my immediate relationships, and in my relationship with the larger globe. Let me just go back and remind myself of those things. That's good. So that when I encounter the crisis of the immediate, those things are fresh in mm. my mind and not some underlying worldview that I've long forgotten and I'm just scared to death or mad to death about what's right in front of me. That's great. Well, it's a good uh, place to start. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a fun uh, journey going Looking through all of this it. together. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch uh, all of those videos, they are very short, very easy. Uh, so and we would suggest instead of just watching them in a sequence, if you're in a missional community, you'll do this week by week. But we would suggest take your family if you're part of a family. Take some friends if you have some good friends. And each week, watch this, I think, five episodes, if you will. Watch the video that week. Look at the questions that come with that video. And then join us here because each week we'll take that week's video and expand on that. Because John does a great job of moving from what is a worldview to what is a biblical worldview to how do we get one to what do we do with it to how do we engage with society. And so we'll, we'll just track through that journey. It'll be fun. So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for bearing with us as we uh, devoured the sushi that, uh, that God Picked provided the camera, for devoured us. the sushi. Yeah. All the fun. Uh, all the fun things we do in this space. <laughs> so love you guys. Thanks for being with us and hope this was helpful. Yeah. Thanks, Joel. It's good stuff.